0: When it comes to the mystery of the triune Godhead,
1: it can be easy for people to find many different scriptures affirming the deity of Christ. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, people don't have as many of those texts in their memory bank. On this episode, we are going to discuss, does the Bible actually teach that the Holy Spirit is in fact God? To discuss this very important topic with me is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel.
2: Praise God, Chad. Very, very important topic because a lot of Christians are adept at, you know, and praise God it's for good reason, uh, at defending the, di- the deity of Christ, the divinity of Jesus. And we ought to be because the Bible warns about a different Jesus and a different gospel. So we need to know what the gospel is. We need to know what the genuine article is. Who Jesus is and so forth, and have relationship with Him, and we can't have a different Jesus. But that same Bible in Second Corinthians eleven warns about those who would receive a different Spirit. Now Satan comes as an angel of light, so it's important that we also make sure we have the right Holy Spirit. Which the cults manifestly, for the I should say most, for the most part, they deny uh, the personality of the Holy Spirit, or if they agree that He has a personality, they often deny His divinity.
1: No, and this is an important topic because, as you mentioned, when it comes to those cults, a lot of cults get this one wrong, obviously, but I'd say almost all of them get this one wrong. And sadly enough, whether it's the cults or the prosperity movement that uses the Holy Spirit as a butler or some sort of manifestation of the Holy Spirit where, hey, you only have the Holy Spirit if you speak in tongues, or there are a lot of different things that take place with the Holy Spirit, and then there are those as well that quench the Holy Spirit as well and make it as though he's not really active and he's really not that important and really sideline the Holy Spirit. And so we want to make sure we're not doing that and we're giving the Holy Spirit his due because, as you mentioned, and maybe that could be our starting point, Joe, the Holy Spirit, as far as Scripture tells us, which Scripture tells us the truth, is a person.
2: Amen. And when we study Scripture, we need to, and when the Bible, especially when the Scriptures warn about a different spirit— we have to know who the Holy Spirit is. Now, it's funny, I did a message not too long ago uh, on, around a similar vein on a Wednesday night on the divinity of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of interesting because Jim, our fellowship, uh, he said, you know, it's funny, every time you do a message on the Holy Spirit, you still talk to, about Jesus way more than the Holy Spirit. And I said, you know why that might be? Mm-hmm. I said, because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he won't speak of himself, but he'll testify about me. And Spirit-filled churches will be more emphasizing Jesus than they will the Holy Spirit. However, when we're talking about systematic theology, we're talking about uh, understanding truth and the spirit of truth, we better understand who the Holy Spirit is. And the Bible does talk about how the Spirit works and who he is and so forth. Uh, So God has revealed himself, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Chad, by you emphasizing, uh, I think it's a good point that you just made, uh, because when we're talking about him being God, uh, we better get to the point where we understand that he's actually a person. uh, Because uh, now now what person is he because you have to make that first step because a lot of cults will deny his personality in fact the Jehovah witnesses uh they speak of the holy spirit you'll never see in the, the new world translation which i call the new world abomination that's the jehovah witness translation uh you'll never see the holy spirit's name you'll never see him capitalized uh and when you see him and so forth they like to refer to the holy spirit as an it and because they don't believe he is god or The Holy Spirit refers to a person. In fact, they call him often just an active force, like electricity. In fact, this is Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2, Chad, in the New World Translation, quote, and God's active force, instead of God's spirit, rock, which speaks of his spirit. God's active force, they say, was moving to and fro over the surface of the waters. And it's interesting, Chad, one of the things we see is he's not only a person, uh, we see the fruit of the Spirit, is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, and against such there is no, uh, there's no law, it says in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. Those are things that don't come from electricity or some force. We get love and joy and peace because these are God's communicable attributes from his person to us by his Holy Spirit. He's a piece of person. And uh, so we see that he's a person. He speaks throughout the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit says things like the Holy Spirit says, states in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, you know, Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. So you see the Holy Spirit speaking over and over again. Revelation 22, 17, one of the last verses of the entire Bible says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that hears say, Come. Let him that is thirsty come and partake of the water life freely. So just like the bride, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ speaks and says, Come. We're persons. The Holy Spirit speaks and says, Come. So I think it's interesting, especially when you look at Genesis 1 and one and 2, Chad, and the, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there in creation, we know that the Father and the Son are there in the beginning of creation because, uh, you know, we read in, Je- in John chapter 1, 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was the beginning with God, and all things, everything was made by Him. Nothing not came to be but by Him. So we know Jesus was with the Father, yet in 1, 2, the Holy Spirit is with them in the acts of, act of creation. Even as, Chad, you're aware that the Father rose Jesus from the dead. It says that God rose from the dead. Uh, Jesus said, in three days, I'll destroy this temple and a few days, or destroy this temple, he says, not I'll destroy it. He tells them three days, you know, he talks about his temple be destroyed. In three days, he says, I will rise it up. And Jesus says, I have power to rise up my life again. That's in John 2. And the other one it says is in John 10. But also, Chad, it says the Spirit of God rose Jesus from the dead. So you have the whole triune Godhead. But uh, just for a moment, I'm just gonna give you a couple of verses that show that the Father created, Jesus created, but the scriptures actually say the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And we know that he also was in the act of, Creation because we read in Psalm 104 verse 30, you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. Crazy, right? Job chapter 26 verse 13, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens, his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And there's other such scriptures that speak of the Holy Spirit being involved in the very act of creation. And that's something only God did because God says, I created everything. He said, I did it by myself. And we often use that when we're talking about Jesus being the creator, and God says he created everything by himself, let us make man our image. Therefore, Jesus must be God. Well, the Holy Spirit's also in the act of creation, and since God says I did it by myself, that, that argument would also apply to the Holy Spirit.
1: No, amen, and and one of the verses you made reference to is from Romans chapter 8, verse 10. It says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead amen. dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And who is it that dwells in believers? Yeah. It is so clear that he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. When there's a differential from believers and non-believers that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14, that we have the temple of God versus the temple of idols, or how Paul would use it interchangeably, Amen. demons the the difference there is one is filled with the Holy Spirit and one is not. And, and you talked about personhood. Guys, you cannot grieve an energy and a force. Right. You have to grieve a person. Like somebody who is grieved is a person. They have personhood. And so when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're grieving a person, not a force, not an energy. Uh, it, it's, it's just really important for people to understand his personhood. Uh, but ultimately, as you mentioned— He's right there, creation.
2: Yeah, and Chad, you make a good point. It says, you know, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? In, uh that's Ephesians 4.30. Uh, and it's interesting because we also read way back in Genesis, right after creation, not long after creation, in Genesis six three, it talks about the Holy Spirit will not always strive with men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how some active force, not strive with men. It's not what God, the Holy Spirit. And then that brings to mind Isaiah or, uh, John chapter 6. Uh, John chapter 16 8 through 11 mm. where it talks about the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin Amen. and when people resist him uh, that he strives with them because he wants to win them but he also wins them by wooing them by drawing them but people have a choice and and believers after they're saved, he lives in us but we can grieve him and Chad it's interesting you made the point of uh, the you know uh, the, the we're, we believers have the Holy Spirit in us but it's interesting that God and the Holy Spirit, are used interchangeably when it speaks of us being the temple of God. And then it says the temple of the Holy Spirit, speaking of the same God. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If someone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, which is what you are. And I'll give one more along those lines. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So you put those scriptures together, and over and over again, Chad, we see the same thing. Yeah. That that temple or God and the Holy Spirit are used interchangeably.
1: And, you know, if you're on Good Fight Ministries enough, you know, one of our favorite subjects is discussing the Word of God as being the Word of God. And that's exactly what we call it is the Word of God. And one of the reasons we call it that is because Second Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Second Timothy, three. chapter three, verse sixteen, calls it that. And the way it calls it that is theonustos or theonoustos, as some might pronounce it. But it's interesting because new actually has to do with that breathing, and it actually has, that's why we say God breathes. Some translations say that, and that's where we get the term pneuma, which is spirit. spirit that's amen. where we get that terminology and the way that it's used. And over and over again, explicitly, we're told. Who wrote the scriptures? In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 16, it tells us this, "...for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven." When we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved
2: moved by the the
1: Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So what I find very interesting here is we see Peter talking really, I believe, about the triunity of God here, because you have the Father, who was ultimately the one who spoke that to Peter on the Mount uh, of Transfiguration, speaking about Jesus, and then guess what? He says, the word that we have, those scriptures, the graphe, as he mentions here, later he'll talk about Paul's letters being the same graphe in chapter 3, verse 16, and you have him clearly saying the Holy Spirit is the one who spoke these things from the Father. And it Amen. is so unbelievably clear that the Theonistos, the fact that these are God-breathed, are coming directly from the Holy Spirit. That's right,
2: because as Chad prefaced these remarks, is this is the word of God, right? <laughs> and. And, and over and over again, the word of the Lord came unto, the word of the Lord came unto, the word of the Lord came unto, and God spoke through, God spoke through. And then at the same time in the book of Hebrews and other places, the Holy Spirit spoke through, the Holy Spirit spoke through. Uh, we're still in with the same God, and and I'm also amazed, too, uh, kind of bringing that together with the fact that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's God's Spirit that's at work in the believer, is Paul in Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians chapter 3, he prays these beautiful prayers. Uh uh, about you know for the, the church to be understand the height and the width the depth and the length of God's love for us in Christ Jesus so we'd get a better revelation of the knowledge of who Jesus is so we'd fall more and more in love with him but also that we'd be filled with the fullness of God, Chad. And he prays in Ephesians chapter three about around verse 17, 18 through 20, 21 there, uh, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Uh and, and it's interesting because and and, and he says and, and, and there's an emphasis there because the church at Ephesus had been uh, rescued from the demonic powers. They were under the prince of the power of the air and they were into magic and they burned in chapter 19, verse 19, their books on witchcraft and all these different things. And it's kind of interesting when you look at the passage there because he wants to let them know that the power that you were under, you know, you've been delivered from, now there's true power in the Lord God. And God wants to fill you with his fullness. And he, and he, after he says that, you know, he prays that they'd be filled with the fullness of God, he says, you know, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above beyond that which we dream or think, or the power that works within us, that, that dunamis. And, and then Ephesians 6, he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He wants us as Christians to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't want you just to understand theology. We want you to act on that theology and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Paul prays that we, well, he really wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because that's what he's talking about. Because in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says it's a command. It's, it's an imperative. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, so the fullness of God, Chad, that we're supposed to be filled with, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, and actually, Jesus talked about the Spirit of God would come, John fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, and that the Father and the Son, He says, the Father and I will both make our hearts, our homes in your heart. So Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming and living in us
1: with the Father and the Son,
2: the whole triune God, triune Godhead.
1: And just to point this out, this is also it says in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit wrote the words of Psalm 95, because it says right here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Check out Isaiah.
2: I love this passage. It's in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 12. Yahweh says, it's Yahweh speaking. It's, if you got a, even an English translation, you don't have to be able to look at the Hebrew. You can just look at the English translation. And if you see L-O-O-R-D, L-O-R-D, Lord, all caps, right? When it's all caps, that means it's a tetragrammaton. That means it's Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. At least we have the consonants, right? In Isaiah chapter forty. you have that before you, Chad? Uh, Isaiah 48, 12. Just go ahead and, why don't you read chapter 48, verse 12, uh, Chad, And then uh, I want you to focus on who's speaking here. This is God, Yahweh speaking. And to me, this is one of the most awesome Trinitarian uh, texts in the entire Bible. It's in the Old Testament.
1: Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Surely my hand founded the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He will carry out his good pleasure on Babylon, and his arm will be against the Chaldeans. So it's clearly Yahweh speaking. He
2: created everything. He says he's the first and last, and that's the same Yahweh that says in forty four six that say the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and last. Beside me, there is no god. It's the one true God, right? But look at what Yahweh says, verse sixteen. And now. The Lord God has sent me. What? Yahweh speaking, he says, The Lord God has sent me in verse 16, and his spirit. He sent me and his spirit. This is what the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says I am the Lord your God. Wow. I mean, Chad, right there, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, it's just amazing all in one verse. You know, you put verses 16 and 17 together, it's amazing. We see this in Isaiah, since we've been in some Isaiah passages lately. Isaiah 11, uh, 1 and 2, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus uh, shall rest upon him. This is quoted of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, Chad. This is a messianic prophecy as well. Uh, it's quoted by Jesus, Jesus in Luke chapter four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Jesus quotes this one. He starts his public ministry, goes into the synagogue there. So he goes day, up yeah. and he asks for the scroll. He opens to Isaiah and he reads this passage right here. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He closed the scroll He goes and sits down. And everybody's looking at him. And he goes, yeah, that's me. You know, and then he goes and starts healing everybody, right? But listen to what the passage says. The spirit of the Lord God, so you have the Holy Spirit and then of the Lord God, right, is upon me. wow. There you have it again. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And Chad, I think one of my favorite ones, and I, to me, uh, if you've just got a little bit of time with a Jehovah's Witness at your door, have them read Acts chapter 5, and ask them who in the world Ananias and Sapphira are lying to. Because Ananias had lied about selling a piece of property. He said that he'd given all the money to the church, which was a lie. And we read in the scripture, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back, to lie to who? The Holy Spirit. And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds from the sale of the land. Before it was sold, did it not belong to you? And he says, and when it was sold, was not the money at your disposal? Then he goes on to say this, how have you, A thought up this deed in your heart. You have not lied to people, but to God. So in lying to the Holy Spirit, they're lying to God. In lying to God, they're lying to the Holy Spirit because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
1: And and this is so important because I I think about it, even when you talked about cults, when you think about Islam, they say they believe in the Holy Spirit too. But you know who the Holy Spirit is in Islam? It's the angel Gabriel. But the angel Gabriel, according to Islam, is the one that denies... Jesus is God and yet when we see the angel Gabriel actually talking in scripture it's what it's right there yeah. at the beginning of the gospel and what does he call Jesus he shall be called Emmanuel God, god with us, with us. Right. and and it's he very says, interesting you shall bear man. the son of the most high god he tells Mary <laughs> there it is it makes it pretty clear and so this is why when you see someone go from what the holy spirit truly is a person and see them say, oh, well, I think it's this person or it's not a person or he is not this. Well,
2: it's just some force. Yeah.
1: Some force or whatever. And and I'll tell you this, when I was first out sharing the gospel, Joe had taken myself out. And one of the ways I was discipled was by going out with a group of people our age and, and some uh, younger folks or older folks as well to help uh, disciple us. And we were sharing the gospel. There was one guy that I started sharing the gospel with, and he believed that the Holy Spirit was a force. And I just took him through a couple of scriptures from Ephesians. I said, "You can't grieve a per, you can't grieve a force." And mm-hmm. I and I went through Acts chapter five. These are just the texts that I had learned in my eight months of salvation at the time. And about two months later, I get a phone call from a number I do not know, and it's it's that it's that guy, and he says, "Hey, Chad, I want to let you know um, you gave me your number a while ago. I really thought about that, and I'm getting baptized tomorrow. And I want you to know that it was from that conversation we had." And I thought, wow, I thought that went nowhere. So you never know. Praise and you're God. talking about making sure someone gets God right. Amen. And so you have no idea how this can change a person's eternal destiny simply by sharing the truth of what God's God words actually says. And who's the one who wrote it? Ultimately, the Holy Spirit, That what does it do? As, as Joe already mentioned is What does he do? What does he do? I can't believe I said it. How embarrassing. But what does he do? He points us to Jesus and he speaks of Jesus. And what do we do? We glorify Jesus to the glory and honor of the father. It's beautiful. And you always
2: say he chatted because, you know, I knew we knew exactly what he meant because over and over again, we see in scripture, the scripture speaks of with, he's a personal pronoun uh, for the Holy Spirit. He's a person. And it's imperative that we understand that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, We understand that he is a person. When you start saying, you know, it's just an active force. It's not God and so forth. Well, that's, that's, that's what cults are made of, and we're, we're grateful that you've tuned into this program. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, it's probably because deep down you love truth and you want truth, and and that's what we do. We share the truth. We want people to know the truth, uh, because Jesus said, "You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free." If the Son has set you free, you'll be free indeed. indeed. And that's our hearts. We we love everybody, and and we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love those who are caught up in cults that don't know Jesus because they've got the wrong Jesus. So if you belong to some group. Who denies that Jesus is God. And I mean, we did a podcast not too long ago on the deity of Christ just recently that you might want to check out because it is imperative that you have the right Jesus. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am, John 8 24, you will die in your sins. And he says, before Abraham was, a little bit later, that same passage, before Abraham was, I am. And he's the ego Amy. He's the one true. He's God. The Father's God. The Holy Spirit's God. In fact, Chad, we know that Paul and his, uh, And as he ends the second Corinthians chapter 13, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the koinonia or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And when he sends them out in the Great Commission says, baptize them, not in the names, plural, but name singular, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we just want you guys to understand this is why the Christian church historically has affirmed the triunity of God, uh, the Trinity. uh, In in the early church fathers, the word Trinity isn't some Johnny-come-lately Term it was used by I think coined by Tertullian to describe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and uh, and we just want to make sure you guys know and love the truth, and and that you're not led astray by these cults. Who I had a whole list, but I'm not going to go through them uh, of the Moonies, Jehovah Witnesses, and all these different things the cults say about the Holy Spirit. And instead of going through that, well, we wanted to focus more on who the Holy Spirit is. And but it's very important that you understand that it's not just about knowing who God is; we have to know Him. You know, Jesus Christ said. Uh, in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is the eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Which is Kind of interesting because John calls Jesus at the end of 1 John, the true God, you know? Amen. And so it's really interesting when you look at that. But uh, we want you to have a relationship with Jesus because you can search the scriptures with us and uh, you can say, praise God. Oh, that's so clear. Oh, that's so obvious. But it's one thing to know what the scriptures say it's not a thing to know the one who's giving the scriptures because the scriptures have been given to us so that we'll seek and know God and have relationship with him, not just know about him. You can know about someone without getting to know them and that's an eternal mistake when it comes to the Lord God. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter five, he said to the religious leaders and these were the religious leaders that were rejecting him. And he said, you can discern that what the weather's gonna be like the next day when the sky's red, but you can't read the, time, the signs of the times and then he says in John 5, he says, you search the scriptures diligently because in them you believe that you have eternal life. He's talking to the religious leaders, of Jews. You search the scriptures diligently because in them you believe you have eternal life. But it's these that speak of me and you're unwilling to come to me that you might have life. So it's critical that we come to Jesus and we act on those scriptures and we embrace him as our Lord and Savior and that we actually receive the Holy Spirit. And that that takes place when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because it's a package deal, so to speak, you can't have Jesus without the Spirit. But when you receive Jesus, you also receive the Holy Spirit.
1: No, and I would love to do just some uh, typological messages on Eliezer, who I named my my yeah. son after, Eli. my firstborn. Um, with him being a picture of going, getting the bride, uh, and getting Rebecca for Isaac, is a picture of Jesus. But but what you talked things, about last
2: Sunday, by the way. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> amen.
1: And one of the things that also you have to remember is when it comes to your prayer life. Uh, It actually tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we don't even know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit, with great groanings that we can't even utter, He actually prays through us. And it tells us that Jesus is our one mediator to the Father. And I believe that even in your prayer life, if you truly know Christ, you can't get away from the triune Godhead in your prayer life as you pray having Jesus mediating your prayers the Holy Spirit giving you those utterance of what to pray. And ultimately, I believe a lot of this comes back to his word and Christ in you, the hope of glory being inside of you and you knowing what to pray for and being obedient to those things.
2: Yeah, amen, Chad. That's a good word. He He assists us when we pray to the Father, you know, and uh, in uh, Ephesians 5.18, really uh, cool scripture, or Ephesians, I'm sorry, 6.18, after Paul basically uh, basically illuminates us in regard to what the, the the armor of God is. And a lot of people stop at the sword of the Spirit there. You know, they stop at you know the, 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 the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They stop at verse 17. But there's another piece of armor. It's number seven. Seven is the number of completion off in the Scripture, and there's seven pieces there, and it's all prayer. And he says, you know, to pray for all the saints and petition for them uh, and be alert and with perseverance and so forth. But in that same verse, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit, Chad, right there, just like the scripture you mentioned. And also in the book of Jude, uh, around verse 20, 21 mm, or so, yeah. he says, you, brethren, he's talking about all these false teachers, but then he he pivots to the believer, showing them that ap- he applies what he's been warning them. He says, but you, building yourself up in your most holy faith, faith. praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in love with God, looking for the, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, or le- mercy of the Lord unto eternal life. And so we're supposed to be praying in the Holy Spirit. And when, when Chad is talking about... Uh, you know, pray in the Holy Spirit. Some will say, yeah, that means we're supposed to all speak in tongues. tongues yeah. And But Romans 8 can't be referring, we do believe in tongues and so forth, the gifts of the Spirit. We're not cessationists. Uh, we do believe that God still works today and, and pours out His gifts. But in Romans 8, it says there's words that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, prays for us, words that cannot be uttered. So that can't be a reference to tongues. Can pray in the Holy Spirit also apply to tongues elsewhere in Ephesians and, and uh, Jude? Yeah, it can apply to it, but it wouldn't only be uh, uh, for tongues because do y'all speak in tongues? No. So this is the command of all believers to pray in the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit is praying in accordance with the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-breathed Word of God as he ministers to us and we minister to him through work of the ministry.
1: Amen. God bless you guys. Praise Love the Love you guys.
0: You've been listening to the Good Fight radio show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com/goodfight or you can write to us at PO Box 2202, Simi Valley, California 93062 or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884.